are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Find us on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Daw Pound. Working for the weekend. Friday is finally here, everybody. Lance, how's your Friday going, my man? It's been going really well, Noah. How's yours going? It's been going really well, and it's even better now because in studio for the first time, and we've got him for the first full hour of On the Line today, he's our normal Friday guest, and he's joining us once again for the first full hour of the show, first time in studio. I now have seen you face-to-face. Christian Clemente, AuburnSports.com. How are you doing today, my man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here. How about you guys? (laughs) You've woken up and you're on the line. That's kind of like the running joke in the show. Today, I just woke up and I'm on the line. Bang! And then (laughs) guess what? Another week, you'll be back on the line. So I'm just pumped that we've got you here in studio, my man. I mean, it's good to see everything just going back to normal from what it's been like over the last year and guests returning to the studio and whatnot and not just being phone calls. It's great to have you here, my man. And Let's get it started talking about some of the latest stuff going on in Auburn athletics. I want to go to an article that you recently put up a couple of days ago talking about Walker Kessler. You have been hot on the basketball scene. You've been keeping up with all kinds of stuff going on. Auburn basketball related, whether or not it's the transfer portal and new additions like KD Johnson recently or some of the other guys that joined a little over a month ago like Walker Kessler, which was the center of your piece. Walker Kessler, glad to finally be at home at Auburn. What's this transition like for Walker Kessler coming to the Plains? Yeah, so Bruce Pearl seems like he was talking about Walker Kessler being really happy at Auburn so far. Um, Walker Kessler and Wendell Green got here a week and a half, two weeks ago, something like that. And so far he said they're mixing in really well. They started practice this week, um, some summer workouts, and Walker Kessler seems to be happy. You know, Auburn basketball posted that video of the guys moving in. It was funny to see Walker Kessler ducking under an exit sign. (laughs) shows you just how tall he is, but... He seems to be happy here at Auburn. Doesn't his family have like a lake house on Lake Martin? They do, yeah. They have a lake house up in Lake Martin, and Bruce said their home in uh, Atlanta is like an hour from Auburn. So That's great. That's great, and I'm sure that that's what's got him feeling like he's back on the plains and whatnot, and, and you see some of the reports about former players coming back like Jared Harper, Chumo Kiki, Isaac Okoro. Do you think there's anything that Walker Kessler maybe has to take away from those guys? Because I'm sure the former five-star recruit, McDonald's All-American, wants to make it to the league. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be talking a lot with Chumo Kiki, Isaac Okoro, all those guys. Um, I think Isaac's already on campus um, doing a little bit of training. I saw him, I think he was at the women's basketball practice as well. So I'm sure Walker will be talking with those guys a little bit trying to figure out what it takes to get to the league, which I think Walker Kessler will get there in a year, maybe two. How does his role grow in this Auburn offense then, or in this Auburn basketball team, that is? Yeah, I think he'll be a huge part of this team. Um, one of the things that Stephen Pearl actually sold him on for coming to Auburn was switching and being able to play outside and being that stretch five and playing alongside Jabari Smith, who might be playing inside as a four actually a little bit more. Jabari can play outside, and he will play outside, But those two can really swap back and forth on who's playing inside, who's playing out, 
And Bruce was talking a lot about playing like kind of a 4-1 system with one guy in, four guys out. When you look at the rest of this roster, specifically in the front court, how are these these other guys that have already been on the team for the past couple of years going to get minutes? Guys like Dylan Cardwell and Babatunde Akingbola, where do their minutes come and how do they stay on the court? Because obviously, like, Kessler's coming in as the, the highly, highly touted prospect, but these guys have been in the program. They've been in the system, and they deserve, considering they've been able to stick with Bruce Pearl, they deserve some minutes. How are they going to get those? Yeah, so I think they're going to be... I think they're going to be important pieces off the bench. Um, Stretch is a guy who will probably play five to ten minutes, but they're going to be very important minutes. He's going to get some blocks. He's going to get some rebounds. He's going to be a big defender down low. Dylan Cardwell seems to have gotten – he looks like he's in way better shape from some of the pictures and videos we've seen. I think he could be a pretty big contributor as that backup center. And then another guy in that front court is Jalen Williams. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I really think there's a decent chance he starts the season at the four with Jabari Smith on the bench. I think Jalen Williams is very good, and I think he does deserve a little bit of respect because he has been in the program for two years. So what he ends up doing will be interesting as well. Looking at this Auburn basketball team and how the roster evolves with all of these transfers coming into the program, it's interesting that Bruce Pearl has this problem now, and it's a great problem to have to have to juggle these minutes and all of these players. Do you have a starting five in your mind right now at this point of the offseason? So the starting five that I would expect to see for the majority of next year, I'll go with that, would be Wendell Green Jr., Katie Johnson, Alan Flanagan, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler. That's the starting five I would roll with. And then you have a bench. You basically have a bench lineup of Zepp Jasper, uh, Desi Sills, Devin Cambridge, Jalen Williams, Dylan Cardwell. So you were 10 deep. You can run two different starting fives, basically, that are both very talented. And with the exception of losing a player like Sharif Cooper, who was honestly one of the best basketball players we've ever seen play at Auburn, and it stinks that you only got it for a little over 10 games on the Plains because Auburn folks just aren't accustomed to seeing that type of talent, not only at the point guard position, but just period on the basketball floor for Auburn, and especially the point guard position. Nothing against Jared Harper, but just Sharif Cooper had this NBA caliber to him, right? And we're, we're not accustomed to seeing that, but the roster seemed like outside of Sharif Cooper, every other position got better through the transfer portal this offseason. Why do you think there are national media outlets right now that are a little bit more reserved on their rankings for Auburn? It seems to me that John Rothstein may be the only guy that I've seen out there that's bullish on the Tigers next season as like a top 15 program this upcoming year. Andy Katz has been pretty reserved on Auburn. Joe Lenardi's got Auburn as a seven seed the last time he put out a bracketology. Why do you think there's some reservations out there right now? Yeah, so I think people just need to see how this roster plays, and maybe they don't quite understand some of the talent that they brought in. You know, Wendell Green is coming from Eastern Kentucky. Zepp Jasper is coming from College of Charleston. But those are two very good point guards. Having those two guys is a solid one-two lineup at uh, the point guard position. So I think they just don't quite know what Auburn has yet. I think from people that have followed the program and people that have seen some of the film of these guys like Wendell and Zepp, we know, we can see what they're going to be, and we've seen Bruce develop talent, and we can understand, hey, these guys are going to get even better. Alan Flanagan improved so much from freshman to sophomore year. I think he's an all-SEC type player this upcoming junior year. So we can see the talent development. We can see these guys coming in, but they might not have seen that quite as much. So I think that's kind of part of the reason for why they're not ranking Auburn quite as highly as Maybe they should be. 
we talked about this a couple of days ago going back to some of those NBA players coming back to campus and you bring up Alan Flanagan what's the road to get him drafted next year because Isaac Okoro Alan Flanagan very similar basketball players with the exception that Alan Flanagan can shoot a three and Isaac Okoro I, I don't feel like left college with a three-point jump shot at least a consistent one he's shooting low 30 percent coming out high 20s at times and then he moves on to the NBA and he's really developed and really flourished as an all-around offensive player what kind of things could Alan Flanagan maybe pick up from Isaac Okoro to get himself drafted so Alan Flanagan, I think he just needs to keep working a little bit. And he said last year um, he spent a lot of the offseason working alongside Okoro while Okoro was preparing for the draft. So I think if Flanagan can slow down a little bit, that's probably one thing that I would say. He played a little bit out of control at times. But I also think that could be attributed to the fact that he had to play point guard, which clearly not his position. And He's a small forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was playing where he did not feel comfortable. This season he'll be exactly where he feels comfortable. He probably could have been a second-round draft pick if he did go this year, but he decided to come back, which I think was a good move. And I think, like I said, I think he's a first-team All-SEC type player. I think he's a first-round pick, potential lottery pick next year. I am super high on Alan Flanagan. When you look at the rest of this backcourt, though, as far as Desi Sills and Devin Cambridge go, it's really interesting to me to see, okay, how do these guys as well, as well as the front court, how do these depth pieces actually get minutes? Because Devin Cambridge last season, obviously not the most impressive offensively, especially from the three-point line, very, very inconsistent. You bring in a guy like Desi Sills, who in his freshman season, very efficient, but as time has gone on in Arkansas, he's proven that he is not the most consistent shooter, especially from the three-point line, as well as De- or much, much like Devin Cambridge. So my question to you is, how do those guys battle it out, and who takes that second spot? Because it in my eyes, if you can go three deep at the shooting guard position with Katie Johnson, Devin Cambridge, and Desi Sills, one of those guys is going to not get enough playing time to the point where he would want to transfer or or would transfer. Who who comes out on top, Cambridge or Sills, in your opinion? So I have Sills, but I also actually have Devin Cambridge at the three okay. um, in my lineups. So that's kind of how Devin Cambridge is going to be able to get some minutes. But then you also look at a guy like Chris Moore, who's at the three, um, who will lose out on some minutes. So I do think Desi Sills will be that backup shooting guard. I think Katie Johnson will start. Maybe Katie Johnson plays like 25 minutes. Desi Sills plays 15. And then at small forward, Alan Flanagan plays 30-plus, and Devin Cambridge cleans up some minutes there. Devin Cambridge could play the two, and it's entirely possible that he will. But for now, just to get him some playing time, I have him at the three. Where are we at right now with JT Thor? Uh, so JT Thor is still testing the draft process. We've said from the get-go we don't really expect him to come back. I still don't expect him to come back. I would expect him to stay in the draft. And I think that's it for Auburn basketball this year. I think Does the he get drafted? You know, that's tough. I've seen a lot of mixed reviews. I've seen drafts with him as high as in the early second round. I've seen some mock drafts that don't even have him going drafted. I think one NBA team, though, will select him in you know, maybe the 40 to the 50 range and take a chance on him because they can see the potential that he has and decide to build him up in something like the G League or just getting him some minutes. So I would expect him to get drafted. Because I know recently, I feel like in the last two or three weeks or so, I feel like we saw something along the lines of that. Bruce Pearl may have been in an ambush event, the first ambush event mm-hmm. that they were doing. And I think Bruce Pearl said if, if, if he stays in the draft, he will get drafted. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a wide range. We didn't expect Tuma Akiki to go where he went in the draft. We didn't expect him at 14. So maybe someone really values what they could get at JT Thor, maybe a late first round. That would be an ideal situation for JT Thor to go in mm-hmm. the late first round because you're going to a good basketball team. Yeah, no, I think JT Thor will – He last year Bruce even said it. He's 
my best NBA prospect is what Bruce Pearl said. And that's with a team with Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell at the time on the roster. <laughs> so I think you can certainly see the potential of JT Thor and you can see him being a matchup nightmare, even in the NBA, but he definitely has some growing to do, but he'll probably do that growing in the NBA next year. You bring up Justin Powell. I want to take this to the transfer portal a bit. Is the SEC going to get rid of its waiver rule? Is that is that kind of the expectation right now? Could we be seeing Auburn going against Justin Powell next year? I think so. Uh, TJ Finley, switching to football just a little bit, he was not expected to make his commitment until he found out something about the SEC interconference transfer rule. He was expected to hold off. Then all of a sudden he said, hey, I'm going to announce my commitment. And obviously he's going from LSU to Auburn. So so you think there's something behind closed doors right now, just kind of understood amongst most people out there that this thing's happening? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at Desi Sills, Katie Johnson. Football-wise, you've got TJ Finley, Donovan Kaufman. You've got guys going within the conference all over the place. So I would assume that SEC passes that rule. I want to say June 3rd is once those SEC meetings start. So well, that's like next week. That's yeah. right around the corner. We come back from Memorial Day, get back from the lake, and then bang. Yeah, we should get some <laughs> news on that pretty soon. And I would expect it to be good news for the players that are transferring. We've got a second to dip our toes in football here. On yesterday's show, we ranked our additions from Auburn's transfer portal th- this year, the, the seven guys coming in, and we ranked it in value of importance for Auburn football. Not talent, but importance. Who do you think is the most important addition for Auburn football? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, if would... it tells you anything, I'll say this. He had TJ Finley last. I had TJ Finley at number one. <laughs> Polar opposite. So you could be somewhere in between. <laughs> so if we're ranking it off importance, I would probably put Tony Fair at one. I, I love think it. the loss of Jeremiah Wright really made it that an important pickup, and he's got so many college games played that he can be a very big piece for that defensive line. Uh, I would go with you on TJ Finley. I would actually put TJ Finley second on importance. I think having a good backup quarterback was very important, a guy to push Bo Nix. Um, if you're bank, uh, ranking it just off talent, Drayshawn Miller is number one oh, yeah. by a landslide for me. That's right. But I don't know if he's necessarily quite as important because they did have Nehemiah Pritchett, they had Jalen Simpson, and then obviously Roger McCreary. So he was kind of like a, hey, we'll go out and get an All-American cornerback, but we don't need him. So I don't know how important he was. Over on ESPN 1067's Twitter account, at ESPN 1067, we put up a question. Who has been the most important pickup for Auburn football in the transfer portal? Go check that graphic out. Leave us a comment. Tell us who you think. We got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on with us here for the Friday edition of the show. Stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to On the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. We'll be right back. Back on the Friday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Lance Dog, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with you on the line for the Friday edition of the show. If you got a question for Christian, you got a question for any of us, call in at 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to On the Line. Christian, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, my man. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at cclemente underscore. As well as all the great content you guys are putting out, tell them where they can find that and then also how they can subscribe. Yes, you can find us over at AuburnSports.com, which is the uh, local rival site. Honestly, we don't have a whole lot going on right now, but starting June 1st, once these official visits start getting kicked off, we're going to have stuff every single day. Yeah, I asked this question and just kind of a brief blurb here before we get into some football and then a little bit of basketball as well. We're fully into the summer now. You, you, you admit it. It's Memorial Day weekend. Auburn baseball's been knocked out. We have not been used to that either because at least on the other side of Memorial Day, we've been used to getting to go and see Auburn baseball playing in the postseason. That's off. 
there's some men's tennis going on right now, I think, right? But after that, I mean, it's it's over. Yeah. What 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 do we have to look forward to throughout the summer? It's all recruiting, man. Starting June, June is yeah, June is going to be one of the craziest recruiting months probably ever. I think it will be. I was talking with Jeffrey Lee, our recruiting guy at AuburnSports.com. He's like, man, this is the craziest month I've ever seen. Auburn has 36 football guys that I have confirmed will be on campus in June and two basketball guys for sure, along with camps for both sports. So there's going to be a ton of guys on campus, and it's very important for this new staff too. Why so many? Is it because you're coming off a year where you couldn't do it because of COVID and, and so much which is what is important? I mean, you've been around. You you went to Auburn. You, you're still you're still going to Auburn, actually. And then you see how important it is that, that Auburn brands themselves as the Auburn family, then the Auburn campus, and the Auburn experience. And after it's a real thing. It's tangible. It is a real thing. Guys leave. They want to come back. Football players come back for their degrees. Basketball players are coming back during the summer now, like Chuma Kiki, Isaac Okoro, Jared Harper, to work out and just chill. Like that's they literally just chill because they love Auburn. That's a real thing. Problem is that's the recruiting pitch to guys. And when you can't get them on campus, it, that that's why Auburn barely got into the top twenty-five in recruiting this past year. Why so many visits? It's, is it because it's been a year off, or is this, or is this coaching staff, you know, really just doing a great job right now? Yeah, so I think it's a mix of both those things. Um, like you said, I think it's been 15 months now once June first hits, where players haven't been able to be on campus. So every recruit is trying to get on campus. But for Auburn specifically, it's an even busier month. They have a new staff. They're behind the eight ball with these 2022 recruits, which it's not their fault. There's nothing they can do. They're not familiar with the area. And these 2022 recruits have been talking with other schools for years now. They haven't been talking with Brian Harson for years now. So they're really trying to play pickup and catch up a little bit with these recruits. So that's why Auburn has so many compared to some of these other schools. And like you said, it is an experience coming to Auburn. You know, they call it the loveliest village on the plains. That's how Auburn is able to get so many of these guys. It's the experience. And doing virtual visits just doesn't really do it justice. I know you cover the team for AuburnSports.com and the, and the Rivals group, but you are also a student at Auburn as well, going into your last year. And mm-hmm. you're from Montana. You hail from the the mountainous state of Montana. We were talking a little bit before the show. I asked you, I said, you know, what kind of culture shock was that for you to come down here? You're someone who probably can speak from firsthand experience about it being a real thing, the Auburn experience. It is, yeah. Uh, growing up, I was actually always going to go to Oregon, but I came down to Auburn for a football game. I love the people down here. I love the experience. I love the campus. And I decided this is the place I wanted to go. So it's definitely an experience where recruits, people like me, people that maybe are in their 30s or 40s that just come to Auburn for a football game, they really get to experience it and see what it's all about. They get sucked in. Yeah. It's like a, it's this just loveliest time warp in the, on, on the plains. You know, you just get sucked in. But Lance, I know you had something. Go ahead. Whenever you look at these recruits that are that are going to be on on campus June, starting in June, you said there were thirty six guys that were coming to campus. Who is somebody that you were looking at that that catches your eye that you go, okay, this is somebody that Auburn could really really use in two thousand and twenty two. So I would look actually starting on June first, Eston Harris Jr. an offensive tackle. Um, I believe he's from Beauregard and now he goes to Opelika. That is a guy that Auburn needs to get. Uh, Jacob Hood, another offensive tackle. Look, I'm just going to list off offensive tackles here. <laughs> Jacob Hood, they need to go get him. Um, and this, uh, these coaches have decided that they want to bring in like six to seven offensive tackles in this recruiting class. Man, so they're going to load up and they're going to make bring, up for time lost. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, so they're going to bring in. 
they're going to bring in quite a few offensive tackles, and I think they need to try and solidify some commitments from those guys. Obviously, the offensive line position, as I just said, is a, is a, is a spot where Auburn has to make up for time lost. Does this coaching staff like, and maybe that's not the right way to ask it, but rate to this coaching staff's comfortability right now with what the offensive line looks like going into 2021 and how much can they do to really improve it? Because we talked about that to a degree on yesterday's show. Just for example, I said, I think it's more important for Auburn to go get a veteran wide receiver than it is for them to figure out how to revamp this offensive line through the transfer portal. Auburn definitely could use a transfer on the offensive line, but I think it's more. I think they could do more with one transfer at wide receiver to improve that entire room than they could to change the entire situation on the offensive line with one transfer. So, kind of take take that as you will. You know, how do you think this coaching staff perceives this offensive line from a comfortability standpoint? Yeah. So first off, I would say I agree with your sentiment there. I would think a veteran wide receiver is more important. With that said, I think the coaching staff is really searching for an offensive tackle, specifically a left tackle that they can get to protect Bonix. Um, Does that exist? That's like at the this late in the game, is there anything left out there in the portal? That's the problem. The portal uh, eligibility wise, they have until July 1st to enter the portal and still be eligible for this fall season. So they still have some time, but they don't have a lot of time left. So they're kind of waiting and hoping, you know, maybe one guy enters. I've heard a couple rumors, but they haven't entered the portal or anything like that. So we're still waiting on that. But I think Auburn's really hoping that some magical left tackle enters the transfer portal and they can go out and get him because initially they didn't want to bring anybody in on the offensive line out of the transfer portal because they do have a lot of guys, but they're all older. So they wanted to really load up in that 2022 class. And they still want to load up in that 2022 class, but they realized after the spring, yeah, we got to bring in a left tackle or a right tackle, somebody to solidify this group and add some competition. So what's left tackle look like for Auburn right now if they don't get someone from the transfer portal? What are you looking at at the two, three deep there at left tackle? So it's probably going to be the same. It's going to be Alec Jackson and Austin Troxel. I would expect Alec Jackson to start. He was not at that A-day game, but I don't really think that's of anything of concern. Um, so I would expect it to be those two. Maybe a guy like Killian Zaire is the third left tackle, if I remember correctly, from the depth chart. But... They could definitely use some more competition at that position. Sure, and it definitely looks like it's a job that's open. Lance, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about defensive backs in this segment. What's on your mind there? Yeah, so I wanted to get your thoughts on something, Christian. I have not been very high on Ladarius Tennyson. I know this coaching staff has had a lot of good things to say about him playing safety. I, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I see him as more of a nickel, and even then I'd rather have a couple of different guys on this roster. And coming in from the transfer portal, I'd rather have them play there I'm also not necessarily the highest on Nehemiah Pritchett so my question to you is is Ladarius Tennyson going to pan out and my other question is is Dreshawn Miller going to usurp one of these other cornerbacks and if so who would it be so Ladarius Tennyson bringing in by Darius Knighton and bringing in Donovan Kaufman to play safety is good for Ladarius Tennyson he's not a safety he's a nickel I think he's a pretty good nickel but I will think I do think he will end up splitting playing time at the nickel with a guy like Nehemiah Pritchett who did get moved to that position. Um, so those two might split playing time. Uh, by Darius Knighton can play nickel a little bit too. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that secondary. You know, uh, Derek Mason likes to get pretty creative with how he lines up there. So they've got a lot of different options. As for Drayshawn Miller, I would 100% expect him to be a starter on day one. This is a guy who is a first, second, maybe third round NFL draft pick moving forward. 
So I think pairing him with Roger McCreary is a fantastic cornerback duo, and I would certainly expect him to be starting on day one. So you think he will he will take the spot from maybe a guy like Jalen Simpson? Yes, I do believe so. And I think Jalen Simpson is very good, and he had a very good spring practice, and I would still expect him to play. But I think Dreshawn Miller is just extremely talented, and I would expect him to be starting as soon as he arrives on campus. Yeah, as soon as Auburn got Dreshawn Miller, I didn't understand the 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 issues from po- from folks putting him at like fourth on the depth chart. I was like, this guy was. This guy was the stuff at West Virginia. How is how how is he not higher? I understand he, he hasn't been with the program, and, and he he really didn't he he hasn't been here. I get that, but man, I, Auburn's got some great DBs. But I, I'm excited to see Dreshawn Miller come into the program and help improve this defensive back group. My question to you then is looking ahead to the future because Auburn loses five and six on the depth chart, and Domio and Kamal Haddon. Is Auburn in a bad spot moving forward? Because couldn't you see theoretically all four of these quarterbacks could go to the NFL after this year yeah that's a good point I hadn't really thought about that too much but they are kind of a little bit older in that position group um so that is something to look out well, for. they've I got guess. some guys that that are like redshirt sophomores or technically academically they're juniors but right. athletically they're sophomores because last year didn't count like yeah. I'm looking at Jalen Simpson and then Pritchett like those guys can leave I think or, or is Pritchett still or is Pritchett still a little too young I believe both those guys could technically okay. leave after this season for the draft Yes, I mean, you see, Auburn could lose all four guys at that quarterback spot. I think you're at least expecting, yeah, Roger McCurry's gone. He could be a first-round draft pick, as high as a first-round draft pick if he just balls out this year. And he's going to have opportunities against excellent receivers. So, Roger McCreary, he's gone. Justin Miller, I'm curious, how long do you think this guy's here? Because he's got two more years of eligibility left. But he's one of those dudes that was at West Virginia for three seasons. He's a senior academically, I believe, right? I believe so. I I think he's gone. I think he's a one and yep. done here at Auburn. I think he's very good. And so, how do you keep Pritchett and Simpson in college? <laughs> yeah, that's the issue. Um, and I mean, the transfer portal. I'm not saying these guys are into the portal. I haven't heard anything like that. But that's another issue you have where these guys are very talented and they want to play, and you're bringing in other talented guys. Bruce Pearl actually talked about this. You know, it's a very difficult balance now of bringing in talented guys and boosting your system, but not upsetting the players that you currently have. And you certainly don't want to lose a guy like Nehemiah Pritchett or a guy like Jalen Simpson because they're both extremely talented. And if maybe they were to come back for another year, that would be your one-two cornerback duo next year. So I think those guys will still get playing time as backups, but Dreshawn Miller and Roger McCreary are probably that one and two It's uh, corner. Definitely one of the best defensive back groups in the SEC and also one of the most underrated. People will go know their names when this season is done with. We'll be back on the other side of this break comparing Auburn basketball to a certain NBA champion. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn. And joining us today for the whole first hour of the show, we got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on the line with us with this excellent Friday. We got to come up with a name for this Friday. I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but we got to come up with something. You think about it, Christian, all right? Because we we got to come up with something to call this Friday to have you on it, man. Because we love to do this every week with you, man. And I know uh, I know you'll try and fit us in when you can. It's going to be a packed packed off season here a packed summer you've got all the you got recruiting stuff coming up for 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 people on albertsports.com as well as jeffrey lee also all throughout the summer it's a big summer it is yeah i'm going to be at the athletic complex like literally every day weekends weekdays there's going to be unofficial visits there's going to be camps 
there's going to be so many people here. Like I said, we have 38 people accounted for that will be on campus. There's going to be way more than that when you count the camps and other stuff like that. So there's going to be a ton of stuff coming up. It should be a fun month for Auburn fans. I got a question for you about Holden Gariner or is it Jariner? Do you know? I don't know. Oh, uh, funny enough, no. he, he's here on June 11th. The first question I plan to ask him is, can you please pronounce your last name? Because I honestly don't know it. I usually call him Holden G. Holden G. I like yeah. it. HG. Yep. There we go. We can go with that. But uh, isn't that Mercury on the periodic table? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've uh, I've not. I've Well, actually, I had chemistry. No, it was two years ago. I think that it's is been, Mercury on minute. the periodic table. Would you know? Uh, no, you're asking the wrong three, person. Three for journalists that one. in the room. I, I'm pretty sure it's Mercury. I had to memorize the periodic table at one point. Jacob's not his head. So there we go. Research department behind the behind the board. Had to Google it. Can't <laughs> name it off the top of my head. Hey, gold is AU. That's the easiest one to remember. There you go. For all Auburn fans, of course. Outside of that, people will not remember that. But I want to take this in the direction of basketball because Brian Matthews put up a good article on AuburnSports.com. Pearl studying the Lakers and kind of a comparison between this Auburn basketball team and the Los Angeles Lakers. It seems like Bruce Pearl is keeping an eye out on what's going on in the NBA playoffs because his roster kind of mirrors a little bit of what the Lakers are going through this year. Yeah, so we had the ambush event on Monday over at Auburn Arena and Bruce Pearl kind of talked about this a little bit. This year's roster, it's in a little bit of an interesting spot because right now a lot of teams, especially in college, want to play small ball. They want to play fast. They want to shoot the three. They want to run. Well, Bruce Pearl has two big men in seven foot one Walker Kessler and I want to say 6'10 Jabari Smith. Now, both those guys can run, but they're big. If another team goes small ball, it's going to be a little bit of a mismatch where they might be a little bit slower than the other guy and they might be getting beat a little bit. So, Bruce Pearl is really looking at the Lakers, trying to understand how they're using a guy like Andre Drummond, how they're using a guy like Anthony Davis, and being able to use both those guys on the court at once and how they're able to explore some mismatches. Excuse me. So. That's have you something. been keeping up with the playoffs too much? Have you been watching the Lakers a whole lot? I've been watching the Lakers a little bit. I'm actually a Bucks fan, so okay. I've been watching that. But there you go. I appreciate that. How did that happen? How did you become a Bucks fan? Uh, so growing up in Montana, obviously we don't really have too many no. teams. Um, Welcome was, to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I was a huge Thunder fan. I loved Kevin Durant, and then he left, and I was heartbroken. I didn't really care about the Thunder. I just loved KD. <laughs> And he left, so at the time I was like, well, I'll pick another team, and I just landed on the Bucks. So, so you didn't follow him to Golden State? No. I. You Kevin, were upset with that. You didn't like that. Ooh, I cannot stand Kevin Durant anymore. <laughs> I'm with you. We, we shared that. I am not a, I'm not a big LeBron guy, and I'm not a big Kevin Durant guy. I'm, I'm still Same. searching, still searching. But, yeah. yeah, I'm a Cleveland sports fan. Okay. I love the Browns, and so that brought me to – Liking the Cavaliers and the Indians because I said, you know, this is going to be weird if I support professional teams from other cities. So I do like the Indians and the Cavaliers as well. And it's kind of weird to not like LeBron James that much when you like Cleveland sports because he's a big part of that. But, hey, I've got something to root for with the Browns now. But going back to the Lakers, I know you've been in that event, then you've been at least keeping up with the playoffs. What kind of things have you picked up on from the Lakers that maybe you can compare to Auburn? Yeah, so I think it's just a very – it's a similar roster outlook. Um, Walker Kessler is that Andre Drummond. Jabari Smith is that Anthony Davis. This so is Walker the, Kessler can shoot a lot better yes, than Andre yes, Drummond. <laughs> yes, yes, a lot better. Walker Kessler is a lot different of a prospect, but in size-wise, he's the same kind of player. Yeah. Now, this is going to be a massive stretch, but Alan Flanagan is kind of that LeBron James-type player on the Cavs where he's a big forward, 
who gets physical, but he can he can dribble a little bit. If Isaac Okoro was at Auburn, I think that's the comparison, right? Uh, yeah. Obviously, that would be the high end of it, but Isaac Okoro was drawing Kawhi Leonard comparisons when he was coming out of college going to the NBA. That's to be compared to the claw. I mean, that that's a, yeah. that's a huge deal, the claw. The <laughs> Toy Story reference there for folks. But still, Alan Flanagan, I compare a lot to Isaac Okoro. I think for Okoro to take that next step, I think his game should model a lot more of that of LeBron James or Isaac Okoro, guys that use their body so well to effortlessly get to the rim and score around the rim. LeBron dominated folks with athleticism, the mid-range game, and inside the arc through the first two-thirds of his career. Now you see he has migrated a little bit more to the three-point line, and he's been able, he's really developed his three-point shot across his career, whereas he was really just kind of above average at the three-point shot of the first half of his career. But he's really kind of, as he's gotten older, he's found a way to stay up to the times in the NBA and also try and elongate his career. But I'm, a, I'm 100% with you. I don't think that's a stretch. The only reason why people would think that is a stretch is because it's hard to compare people to LeBron James, right? Because he's, he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're comparing the roster, that's just who I would compare Alan Flanagan yeah. to. So it does have some of those kind of similar outlooks. It's a very interesting team, the Auburn basketball team, in terms of this year and how basketball is played right now. So the Lakers, obviously, you know, they're kind of able to to get out and run. They're able to score over 100 points a night. Simply, that's just the, that's just the way the NBA goes. But my question to you is, Christian, Auburn in the past has really liked to get out and run. Like last year with Sharif Cooper, we, we got to see so many different lobs and, and shots in transition. It was just a lot of fun. Will Auburn actually be able to do that this season with so many big guys that are probably going to be a little bit slower? Even though Pearl said, you know, Dylan's mobile, Stretch is mobile, Jabari's mobile, Kessler's mobile, we'll be able to do a lot of different things with them. Will they still try and implement the type of offense that Pearl has tried to use in the past, or will they try and go a little bit slower? Yeah, I know. I think so. I think they definitely can. Um, you look at a lot of the Walker Kessler highlights from his time at UNC, it's him running up the floor in a fast break. I think Walker Kessler can certainly do that. Jabari Smith obviously can do that. He's got very good ball handling skills for a four. So I think Auburn's going to be able to do that. And I think this is a Bruce Pearl team. This is a physical team. This is a tough team. This is a team that's going to run the ball. They're going to play better defense than they did last year. And they're just going to be overall more physical, which is what I think Bruce Pearl wants and what he lacked last year. I think for a lot of people last season, Sharif Cooper was probably – a lot of people's favorite player to watch on the team last season. Who is somebody that you really enjoy watching on that on this year's squad that could potentially break out or is just somebody that you really like? So I've already said this once, and I'll pick a different player, but I'm a huge Alan Flanagan guy. I think Alan Flanagan's very good. The player that I'm excited to see what he does this year would probably be Jalen Williams because he's going to be in a little bit of an enigma where he probably deserves to be a starter because he's been here for two years, but when you bring in Jabari Smith and when you bring in Walker Kessler – he might end up on the bench, but he's still going to be a huge part of next year's team. I mean, he's going to play 25 to 35 minutes a game coming off the bench. And last year there were games where he was quiet, and then there were games where he put up 24 points shooting five of six from three. So if he can build a little bit of consistency, I think he'll be a huge bench piece for Auburn next year. For a nice little stretch of January and February, Jalen Williams was the most consistent offensive piece for Auburn. And so I'm hoping he and Chuma Akiki are joined at the hip this summer. <laughs> I'm hoping Bruce Pearl's bringing in or kind of nudge, nudge guys come and practice with these dudes, you know, wink, wink, get these guys in the facility and get them working together because 
Jalen Williams' game, he's already a lethal scorer on the inside. He's already a good defender. He's a good ball handler. The guy can play the yeah. three, I think. At times, he did that in his first year at Auburn. I, I like you, want to see him more consistent with his jump shot. Chumo Kiki didn't really use the mid-range, but he could. He could. He did have that fadeaway jumper in his arsenal when he was inside the paint and about you know 10 feet away from the bucket he did have that ability to face up inside the arc and drop some shots in that way but also he could stretch the floor and knock down a three-pointer I want to see Jalen Williams become more consistent if Jalen Williams could become Chumo Kiki and come off the bench oh my gosh yeah and Bruce has said this I've heard Bruce say this probably 10 to 15 times he is Jalen Williams's biggest fan but he wants to see a little bit more consistency because he knows what Jalen can be he knows that Jalen is an outstanding player he's an all SEC type player but sometimes he is a little bit inconsistent. And so Bruce really, he pushes him really hard because he knows how good he can be. What all do we know about the Auburn basketball schedule? Of course, John Rothstein yesterday put out his tweet saying, source Auburn men's basketball. And if, I'll be real, if John Rothstein says source something, I might take it to the bank. But John <laughs> Rothstein said that Auburn, he, it looks like they'll be opening up November 9th against Moorhead State to open the season. But then we've also seen, I think, South Florida. And then there's also, of course, Bahamas time going out to battle for Atlantis. What all do we know about the schedule so far as they're still trying to piece it together? Yeah, so we've got a couple of those uh – non-conference games so far like you mentioned Moorhead State uh, North Alabama I think North is on Alabama the yes they've got I think they have a, a game at home against UCF correct because they had the home and home they right. played away last year and they should have home this year sure against I think, UCF and I think maybe South Florida's on the schedule also possibly what are the odds of return trip to Washington yeah that's something that I believe they are trying to discuss and they're trying to get figured out because they were trying to do that last year but because of COVID it fell off the schedule so I think that's something they're trying to figure out and if not this year probably very soon so I think that's something to look out for and like you mentioned that battle for Atlantis man you go that was (laughs) I want to go so bad but it's right next to the Iron Bowl it's very very tough to try and schedule it Iron Bowl's top tier content yeah it's (laughs) man I want to go to that so bad though it's going to be so much fun there are some great teams there alongside Auburn yeah, and, and I'll be looking to see how Auburn fares in that because, like you said, teams like Michigan State there, if Auburn can make a statement, they're definitely going to shoot up people's awareness of yeah. this Auburn team where they're currently kind of underrated. On the other side of this break, we're going to go back to predicting the first loss for every SEC team. we got Christian for one more segment. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Last segment of the week here on On the Line. Before we wrap it up, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Some movies tonight and a loaded sports schedule. Don't mess with Denzel. The Equalizer 2 is on FX at 7. Back to the Future Part 2 is on Paramount at 6. And then Part 3 comes on at 8.30. We've got three NBA games on television. Game 3 heads to ATL with the Knicks and the Hawks squaring off at 6 on ESPN. At 7.30 on ABC, the Brooklyn Nets are cruising against the Celtics. They go for the 3-0 series lead. The Dallas Mavericks have surprisingly jumped out to a 2-0 lead over the Clippers. Can they add another? 
this time at home. Game 3 is on ESPN at 8.30. NHL playoff action at 8 on NBCSN. It's Game 7 between the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights. Four NCAA softball tournament Super Regionals are on TV. At 6 on ESPN2, it's a pivotal Game 2 between LSU and Florida State. At 8.30, catch Game 2 between UCLA and Virginia Tech. Over on ESPNU at 6, Arizona and Arkansas start their series. And following it at 8, James Madison and Missouri will square off. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you. Got about four minutes left until the drive with Bill Cameron. Listen to the drive with Bill Cameron every weekday from 4 to 6. Following On the Line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama, Bill and Dan will take your calls, dive and get to all of the latest and hottest stories in Auburn athletics and beyond. Once again, from 4 to 6, the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack. Let's talk a little NBA playoff action. As I said, and what's on tonight, there is a loaded tv schedule loaded tv schedule as there is every night in the nba playoffs but let's look back at yesterday the milwaukee bucks take down the heat 113 to 84 they're up 3-0 in the series the los angeles lakers take down the phoenix suns 109 to 95 the lakers get in front two to one now in that series and then the nuggets barely inch ahead of the trailblazers 2-1 in that series with a 120-115 win over portland what was your takeaway last night in the NBA playoffs. Well, for starters, this Milwaukee Heat uh, matchup, it's over. And it really concerns me for Miami moving forward because offensively, they've not been the best team in the league. And last night, they shot 37.6% from the floor overall. You're not going to win a playoff game if you're doing that. That's just poor shooting. And guys like Jimmy Butler have really struggled from three. Um, guys like Tyler Hero have had issues this season. Duncan Robinson has had to step up in these playoff games, but he's not been able to do enough. They've just offensively have just fallen apart. Game one, it was close, right? 109-107 was game one. After that, oh my goodness, 132-98 to in game two. That even break 100 in that one. And then even worse, 113-84 to last night. It's over. It's over. I, you're 100% right. This offensive there's a drought right now it got too hot <laughs> they, need, they, they need water man they they need water i'm my takeaway i think the series over between the lakers and the suns maybe I, i'm just a little bit maybe that's a little bit of a quick draw there because it is 2-1 in the suns even when lebron was there they, they were they were still just as good as the lakers but i'm gonna say it's over with now I, would, I think the Lakers won again. I wouldn't say that it's over, but I do think that they that that they have, they will win this series because they're playing like the two seed now. Now that they've got LeBron James back, you mentioned it a Even couple of days 14. ago. Yep, yep. You 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 can't do that if you're Phoenix, and you know you know. And you're on the road now. You're There's on still the road. Another road game. I think the Lakers they take Game Four. They've got them on the ropes right now. They take Game Four. It's over. I, you're not bouncing back from 3-1 against LeBron James. You have to win Game 4 if you're the Phoenix Suns. Right now, they're on the ropes. Just taking this boxing analogy, they're in the ring right now. They're getting punched around. They're on the ropes. They're stumbling. One more shot KO. They're on the mat. I agree with you. And again, they're playing like the two seed right now with LeBron James coming back. I mean, they're hot. And this is this is the best time to get hot is, is in the playoffs. And I think it's really good for the Lakers moving forward. Uh, I'm with you. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, but I do appreciate talent. And I do appreciate watching really good teams play well. And I'm not necessarily rooting for the Lakers, but I do want to see talent win out. And, and if it's the seventh seed, then so be it. Looking ahead to tonight's action. Six o'clock ESPN, Knicks, Hawks. You got Nets, Celtics at 7.30 on ABC, and then you got Clippers, Mavericks at 8.30 on ESPN. What is What are you keeping your eye on? 
I'm going to watch that Ma- that Mavericks game because, again, I'm just a really big Ma- Mavericks fan. I like watching Luka. I really hope they can go up 3-0 in this series. I just That would be so awesome to see Los Angeles get knocked out after they've had so many different so much controversies. Like, oh, well, they need a new coach. Oh, well, they need Paul George. Oh, well, they need Kawhi. It's like they still won't be able to win in the playoffs. Brooklyn Nets still cruising over the Celtics. Yep. Nets ended up being a dud for a series. The Celtics have been a dud, period, this year. Knicks-Hawks, for me, is the game to watch. Clippers Mavs will be fun, but also there's some animosity right now between the Knicks and the Hawks. That's becoming quite the series. It would be very, very fun to see it go seven. Let's see what happens now that it's back in the ATL. That's it for another week of online. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl will be back with you next week. Same time, same place. Stay tuned for the drive. We'll see you on Tuesday. Off for Memorial Day, we'll see you on Tuesday. You know where to find us.